This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. The Huskies Warming House podcast is also brought to you by the Soda Pod, home of MNCAA college hockey news and more. Stay wild and up to date with new episodes throughout every week. Find them on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and other podcast platforms. And welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast, episode 195 here in the den. Nick Max and Noah Grant once again. And Nick, uh, kind of same old, same old for the Huskies on the men's side of things pretty much identical weekend, so to speak. A little bit more of a balanced uh, set of games, I would say, overall, compared to the Denver games, which were kind of special teams-based and pretty wild. But this one was balanced in terms of two teams going head-to-head, although I think the Friday night game would leave a little bit to be desired in terms of the transitional play. We'll get to that, of course. And then uh, speaking of leaving a little bit to be desired, I I know it was an unfortunate bounce in that second game, but... uh, the Huskies women's team uh, for the second week in a row have kind of stumbled a little bit out of the gate, regardless of, you know, puck luck and all that jazz. I mean, you, you've got to get the job done, unfortunately. So um, we're going to talk about that. We'll start, uh, as always, Center Ice View News and Notes and presented by HuskiesIllustrated.com and the Soda Pod. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. Episode 195. Noah Grant alongside Nick Maxson and Nick. Uh, kind of starting right off into it, it, it was not a weekend for the Huskies, I think, that we're really um, thrilled about, all things considered, unfortunately. Um, not the only games, of course, going on this weekend in the WCHA, but, uh, of course, you were there on Friday night, we'll get to that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think point blank, um, just standings-wise, we talked about how you had to stay pat no matter the type of opponent. Uh, unfortunately, St. Cloud uh, did not get the job done. We'll talk about them in just a sec, of course, but uh, we'll start on Friday. Uh, other news around the WCHA, Ohio State beating Duluth 3-0 uh, and then one nothing in that second game. So the Huskies actually getting a bit of help from a team that they're actually going to see next weekend. Um, mm-hmm. On the other side, the Gophers, uh, it, I mean, it responded in a way that we maybe would have expected, although two nothing and three one. I Bemidji State's getting better this year. The Gophers, um interesting case. Again, we continue to say it. I don't really know how to 
how to mention it. But no surprise the WCHA is tightening up, and you've got to be on every night. Uh, speaking of which, Mankato narrowly lost to Wisconsin 3-2 on that first night, and then 7-2 was the final on the second one. So, um, yeah, again, I know we continue to talk about that Gophers team, but for whatever reason, they just continue to perplex a little bit. I mean, they, they got the job done, which is more than the Huskies can say this weekend, but... Um, they're not doing it in typical gopher fashion where you're seeing these two, three, four goal spreads, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but right. at the same time, it's just maybe not what we're used to seeing, if that makes sense. No, and you know, that's to your point, right? I think Minnesota, you know, I think in years past have been able to, if you want to call it from a fan's perspective, take a night off, but still be able to handle what opponent that on paper they should handle doesn't seem to be like the case this year, especially when they got dropped a couple weekends ago, um, outscored 13 to one on the weekend when against Ohio State, I believe. Um, so, but the Huskies kind of in a similar spot too, right? It's the last couple of weekends against against teams on paper that you should be able to feel confident on. Again, you got to go out there and play the hockey games. And uh, two weekends in a row, I think Idolski and the, and the ladies themselves would argue that they left some points on the board and um, you know, that's when it's one weekend, it's maybe a fluke when it's two weekends in a row starts to become more concerning because now you're starting to build on a trend. Right. So I think, yeah, both the golfers and the Huskies, a little bit of a similar spot where um, the difference is the golfers come up with the points, whereas the Huskies have not. It's the big difference. Yeah. And like we talked about coming out of the holiday break, that's not really where you want to be. It's not a great time for it. Not the worst time in the world, but it, it, doesn't get much worse so to speak you you go about a month later and then yeah well better look out so uh speaking of the wcha the huskies of course they they do earn uh the split on the weekend and actually still sitting in an okay spot thanks to the games against ohio state but we talked about how this kind of evens out in the aggregate the huskies in Mm -hmm. fourth right now with 32 points ohio state who we just mentioned uh gonna run away with this conference i think unless something crazy happens so uh they're just shy of 50 points on the year 17 and one on the season wisconsin in second at 43 the gophers still hanging in there they're a weekend away so to speak um 39 points but, in third place yeah go ahead but to keep that graphic here no not to cut you off but you put those two games the huskies come on top they're one point behind the gophers yeah exactly i mean it makes a massive difference and that's where you know your ability to win games against opponents that maybe you shouldn't win. Again, the Huskies have Ohio State this weekend, uh, as well as St. Cloud has played against them this year. I mean, that's still a tough task, you know. So uh, St. Cloud in fourth at 32 points, Duluth right now in fifth at 29. Both teams still with the same number of games played. So it's not like the Huskies are, you know, signed, sealed, delivered, dead in the water. And it's more than likely they're going to get Duluth regardless in the playoffs. So, um, and then Mankato at 12 points. And then Bemidji State and St. Thomas now tied for that seventh place spot. The Beavers have the tiebreaker right now, both two and 16 on the season. So, um, you know, But yeah, you're not doing yourself any favors, I think is kind of the point we're trying to make. And the Huskies, uh, like I said, I don't think they played terrible this weekend. 
but at the same time, uh, you know, left a little bit to be desired. As we mentioned, Ohio State next weekend, and then you, the big gauntlet, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Duluth, before finishing with Bemidji State, who has been playing teams tight as of late. So um, with that being said, let's jump right into it. The Huskies do win on Friday night. Nick, you were in attendance on this one. Uh, final shots, 34-25 in favor of the Huskies. 13-5, 13-7, uh, St. Cloud outshoots the Tommies in the first two periods, and then were outshot 13-8 as they tried to make a push back the other direction to try to even up that hockey game. Both teams with a power play goal. Huskies one for two on the power play. St. Thomas one for four. Don't know if you garner a ton out of that. I think the no. the other piece, uh, the Huskies, you know, 21 faceoff wins on 48 faceoff tries, which is well less than 50% against an opponent who has been well less than 50% in the standings. So, um, yeah, kind of something to keep an eye on. Uh, but yeah, we had the scoring get started. Clara Himlerova shorthanded her eighth of the season from Taylor Lind and Taylor Larson. Here's Himlerova across the left side, right back to Himlerova, scores! What a goal! And great zone entry there, Nick. I mean, shots 20 to 8 at that point, and a, a textbook give-and-go transitional game looked very good for the Huskies. Uh, important for them to get on the board first, which they did both nights, um, actually. And, uh, yeah, uh, just a r really strong play. I, maybe the surprise is that it took the Huskies all of half a hockey game to get to that point and get the first marker of the contest. No, actually, I wasn't surprised. Uh, St. Thomas was trapping in the first period. In fact, St. Cloud almost played into the St. Thomas trap a little bit. Um, so not really forcing St. Thomas to sort of get out of that shell, which is essentially how they've been having to sort of stay in games, right? Is you sit back, you, you try to force turnovers, you try to force errors. It was a very tight checking first period. Um, and mind you, this was a shorthanded goal too. So it was a bit of a flub with the blue line. Um, Taylor Land, as you mentioned, Taylor Larson, uh, they jump on it, seize the opportunity. And as you mentioned, a really nice give and go um, to have the wide open net there for him. Larova, opportunistic there. Um, so not really surprised it took them that long, more so just glad that they took advantage of the mistake and were able to make them pay. Yeah, middle of the second period, uh, actually 14-minute mark, and then four and a half minutes later, Himlerova and CeCe Bowlby found Katie Kaufman to make it 2 nothing with her, uh, I believe, I want to say, uh, yes, fourth of the season uh, for the Huskies in this one, uh, as well coming on the power play, so St. Cloud special teams advantage in the second period. Just a simple shot here from Kaufman. A lot of traffic in front of King as she went to the opposite corner. And that one blocker side high, I mean, kind of hard to tell. I always kind of chuckle when they use the corner camera angle as the only primary angle for the, the goal recaps. But nonetheless, a, a seeing eye shot that uh, a netminder did not pick up. Uh, just like that, the Huskies are off and running. I think power play wise, you'll take that, you know, if you're productive at least once, you know, once a weekend for sure, but once a night is even better. Huskies get on the board there and uh, off and running. Um, but then 543 into period number three, St. Thomas made things interesting. Uh, and just like that, we had a one goal hockey game. Bring it back again, centering feet, shot scores! And we've seen this from a couple of games, Nick. Uh, you know, and not to say that it doesn't happen. And of course, power play withstanding as well. But uh, uh, middle of the ice, top of the blue paint, uh, just kind of seems like an area that's been a little bit too easy in front of the Huskies net recently. Which drives Brian Adelski nuts, right? Because that is the area that he wants to protect. That is, you know, his staple 
as a defensive first coach, or at least that was the theme last year, right? But he definitely does not want those areas to be easy pickings per se. And and again, right, Noah, sometimes on the power play, and I think uh, for the Huskies, learning a little bit that when the puck is below the goal line, um, you can get caught puck watching. I felt like there they got kind of got caught doing that a little bit again for there from St. Thomas finds the soft space and nice execution there in that pass and a nice quick release. Huskies just about a half a step late trying to tie her up and they got a good execution there to beat show back. But the Huskies, despite being outshot in the third period, they get the job done. Uh, six and a half minutes later, Alice Surreal, uh, her fifth of the season, Emma Gentry, Devin Millwater sealed the deal for the Huskies. As Emma Drenchen gets it wide, and then that layered forecheck, surreal, the late man coming in. And that was just a nice play, Nick. Again, off a transition again, another good zone entry. You wait for second flow. You wait for depth. You wait for that trailer. Let everybody crash to the front of the crease. Find somebody on that flat drop pass and a nice shot and a nice goal through traffic as well. I think St. Cloud would like to get back to that a little bit more if they're going to have success. Uh, but nonetheless, they at least did on this Friday night, 3-1, to one, of course, the final score. JoJo Choback stopping 24 of 25. She was good, and the one that beat her was right on her doorstep uh, on the power play. So, um, I mean, you were there on Friday. Uh, mm-hmm. Did it feel like a game where the Huskies just, you know, took a bit to get going and solve the defensive structure of St. Thomas and then finally got to their game? Or did it still kind of feel like a precursor for what we saw on Saturday? Uh, Almost a little bit of both. I I feel like St. Cloud, you know, again, when you look at St. Thomas and, and, you know, it's been a tough year for him. um, One thing we forget about St. Thomas is, is, you know, they take a page out of Idolsky's book from last year and they say, you know what? Yeah, we don't have maybe the offensive firepower, but... This team is also very, very young to a lot of freshmen. In fact, five of their top six scores for the Tommies are true freshmen. Um, this is a team that's still building again, only 30 year in division one. Um, St. Cloud really didn't adjust, right? They didn't force St. Thomas to come out of their shell. Um, getting the first goal helps, but then Saturday comes along. You get the first goal again and, you know, not being in attendance, but sort of watching some of the recaps. It felt like St. Thomas, they didn't change as I, th- I thought they did change on Friday night, right? Whereas they stuck kind of stuck to it. They started to frustrate St. Cloud. And, you know, once Tom must tie the game on Saturday, you could tell that the momentum was swung heavily in their favor. Um, again, bad bounces here was standing. Um, St. Thomas, you know, didn't flinch. They stuck to what they knew worked and uh, was able to turn the tides against uh, the Huskies on night number two. Yeah, attendance of 208 on Friday. They go to St. Thomas on Saturday. Attendance of 545, a good crowd in, in on hand for that Saturday night matchup, I think, as well. So uh, good energy in that building. Uh, St. Cloud would actually, as we mentioned, score again first in this hockey game. Taylor Lynn, the only goal of period number one, her fourth of the season. Avery Farrell, Svenja Vogt, telling assists. Both there, had it stripped away, centering pass, and an outstanding goal by Taylor Lynn. Off the one-timer, wide. This was a great passing shift for St. Cloud State. Farrell just working harder than the top. And that one was like a bit reminiscent, I feel like, of St. Thomas's goal that they scored on Friday night on the power play. Of course, this one was at even strength. St. Cloud 7-4 was the advantage as well in shots in the first period. They had a 26-18 total uh, 
8-8 was the tally in period number two, and then 11-6 for the Huskies in period number three. Both teams didn't score on their lone power play opportunity in this one, and the Huskies still below 50% in the faceoff dot. They get off to an early lead, though, which is something we talk about for all your struggles and woes, even if you're not feeling 100%. The Huskies get on the board first. I mean, a nice little play kind of from the bumper down low, uh, and uh, I, I feel like that's where St. Cloud needs to get back to a little bit is being around those gritty areas in the house, so to speak? Uh, Well, there, I mean, yeah, being there, but it really was more high in the slot there. I think the big thing to take away there is Avery Farrell, not necessarily the biggest forward in their lineup, goes down low, wins a puck battle, actually takes it away from the St. Thomas defender, and then with the hat up, right, finds the open lane. And then there's something to be said, you know, no, I know we talked about this at times, but that forward finding the soft areas, right? Uh, Taylor Lind finding that soft area in between all the defenders and a good quick release. So it's it's great execution on both because you want to be in those areas, but sometimes as forwards, right, you can sometimes be too deep and almost put yourself in a position where you're almost defending yourself, right? You're getting in too deep, whereas Taylor Lynn stays back. Again, Farrell wins that puck battle, head up, slides it into that soft area. Lynn, a good, quick release, beats the goaltender. So all in all, good plays by both players to end up making that first goal of the game for the Huskies take shape. Well, it was going to be 1-1 entering the third period. Abby Promersberger tied the game up with five minutes left in the second period. And then Riley Bartz, the eventual game winner, 8.30 into period number three. Bit of a breakdown for the Huskies, kind of a little uh, breakaway gone awry where it just got over the goal line. And then St. Cloud fighting for dear life to try to get back into this one. But in the final two and a half minutes, three empty net goals to seal the deal for the St. Thomas Tommy's first regulation win in the WCHA. But that one looks clear as day. Ahola went for the poke check. Wide. No icing. Tommy's get there. So, of course, the game winner, kind of a tough one. We got to see that one first, the opener uh, for period number three. Just one of those breakaways that just gets over the line. St. Cloud not able to respond. Uh, I would be remiss. The game tying goal, by the way, this is the one from period number two. Trying to get up ice fast. Now it's Zavarol. Zavarol, that shot on rebounds loose. And Promersberger puts it in the back of the net. It's been a goal scorer this year. Five goals on the year. Fights to the rebound. And that's the one I think as as bad as you feel about, you know, the one that ends up in the back of your net off of that breakaway, just kind of a jam play. That's the one I think that stings. St. Cloud's doubling up shots on their opponent. They've got a little bit of traction. Two defenders who don't turn their feet and try to win a puck race back. And I, I think if we're being totally honest here, Nick, uh, a pretty juicy rebound, unfortunately, yep. for Sonny, a whole bit uncharacteristic. Um you know. Yeah, I think an uncharacteristic game all around for Ahola, right? Because, again, that's not a rebound that she usually gives up. Uh, you mentioned the defenseman not coming back and, you know, at least tying somebody up. And in that second goal, the goal-ahead goal, right? Sonny Ahola not known for being the sort of aggressive poke-checking type goaltender. Yep. Uh, it wasn't a clean breakaway, right? But Sonny, for whatever reason, maybe because 
uh, player was showing backhand, maybe trying to cut across, maybe trying to take that away. Uh, ends up going back short side. The puck squirts across the line on the near side post there. So, yeah, and you know it's it's interesting because we you know Wasani being essentially one of the best goaltenders in all of college hockey, right? Um, you know she still at times may have a night off. I don't know if you want to say it was a night off, but definitely two goals that you know when you look back at the film and say, yeah, that's not something that she normally gives up. Uh, but let's just say it again, right? Um, sometimes you just have some puck luck that goes your way, sometimes not. Uh, and for St. Cloud, too, two goals against, at the end of the day, where's the offense? Yeah. Right? What happened to the offense? I think if there's a bigger question mark here is for St. Cloud, which with the transfer portal and everything that we've watched so far this season, you know, this is a type of game that this is a has a playoff feel to it, right? It's low yeah. scoring, it's tight checking. Um, St. Cloud did the right things in Friday's game to come away with a tight 3-1 win. Tonight's contest, or I should say Saturday's contest, you just got the feeling that once the Huskies went down 2-1, where was the answer, right? Where was the simplification of the hockey game? Mm-hmm. And you know darn well that Idolski is going to go back to the film room and look at that. He talked about that during night number two against Mankato, right? When things aren't going away, sorry, night number one, you know, sometimes we just got to get to those dirty areas. We got to fight our way through, you know, get those second and third chance opportunities. Defenseman's got to get puck in towards the goaltenders and force them to make a save. You just never know what can happen. So it's a learning curve. It stinks that it happens against an opponent that, like we said, on paper, you should beat. Now, What's tip our caps to St. Thomas, right? They never back down a night number two. As you mentioned, nice crowd down there in Mendota Heights for that hockey game. Um, but you do have to wonder, too, the impact of what the pairwise happens now, two weekends in a row going down against in St. They, Cloud. They only dropped to nine, actually, which I think is a, Interesting. Bit, a bit of a blessing. Um, you a know, little bit. And uh, this kind of goes back to, though, I mean, you don't want to be on the cusp. I feel like nine in women's hockey is where we talk about like 11, 12 for the men, right? It's yep. it's, it's not entirely safe, so to speak. So the Huskies do kind of dodge a bullet a little bit. Um, to be fair, they still have a chance to right the ship. We mentioned the standings as well. St. Cloud's still in fourth. Um, Clara, Himmlero- Clara Himmlerova is still pacing the team with a multi-point weekend, 20 points for her on the season. Uh, and if you want to be fair, both goaltenders still have given their, their teams a chance to win. I mean, if you want yes. to poo-poo it, I mean, Sonia Hola is still now a 1.0 goals against average on the nose. I mean, that'll that'll buff any day of the week. And St. Cloud, of course, they've got Ohio State followed by Wisconsin, Minnesota, Duluth, and Bemidji State to round out uh, their scheduling next. So um, still opportunity to try to do some damage and, you know, get the job done. And a lot of opportunities, as we as we mentioned again, uh, you know, this team still has a chance standings-wise to climb. I, I think third might be a bit of a reach now, but they do, have, they do have the Gophers, at, you know, for a regular traditional weekend coming up in a couple of weeks in the middle of their stretch. So anything is possible, but... I mean, all in all, Nick, before we head off to uh, the men's team here, how do you respond from a loss like this against an opponent that you probably should have taken at least 75% of the points from? Well, I think, again, there's two ways you can look at it. You can look at it as you can hang your hats on it. You can, you know, piss and moan, for lack of a better phrase. Um, And some of that might be warranted because maybe you think you should have executed better in certain areas and... Um, at the end of the day, maybe it felt like were we really giving it a hundred percent? I don't think that was the case. I think St. Thomas executed a really good shutdown game plan against St. Cloud. Um, but they, at the end of the day, they don't have time to, right? You have the number one team in the country coming into your building, which 
confidence wise, you took a game from them in their barn uh, not that long ago, just before the holiday break. Right. So now, granted, you know, Ohio State, you know, they have been dismantling opponents left and right. So if you're trying to, you know, take some of that energy and direct it in a more positive fashion, um, here's a good chance to put yourself in a rebound you know, type situations. So um, you look back at the film, you, you look at what maybe worked, maybe what was frustrating them, um, and then get right back to prepping for Ohio State because, again, there's just no time uh, to sit there and sulk. you got to get ready for the next challenge, and Ohio State will be a big challenge. Again, the number one team in the country for two games at the Herb this upcoming weekend. Here's my final question for you on the women's side very briefly. Do you think the exhibition scrimmage against the Tommies made a difference for them to be prepared for this weekend? Um, no, honestly. Um, Idolski mentioned it again when they played Mankato. He thought that, especially night number one, where they came out completely flat, um, that was his intention is to kind of get the rust off, you know, wake them up a little bit. It's, you don't want to come back from a long break and, your first game back is, you know, hockey that's meaningful in terms of the standings and everything else that matters. Um, but that didn't happen, right? And so you know, I think the big question for the women's hockey as we move on is if you look back at these last couple of weekends, and they probably will, is what went wrong, right? Was it our mental um, sharpness? Was it our willingness to come back, you know, or was it just that we as a team didn't execute the game plan that we knew if we fulfilled gave us a chance to win. Um, but definitely these two weekends are going to be circled on the calendar. No, especially if they are unable to hold home ice position, which right now you give up two against teams that are to argue UMD is going to do the same. Um, you know, you're going to circle those two losses and say, man, we let home ice slip away and here are the two games that did it. Yeah, would certainly agree, and this women's team has to right the ship quickly, see if they can do it next week against the top dog in the WCHA as they essentially let St. Thomas on the bottom side of things climb back into the fight a little bit in those bottom spots in the WCHA. Moving over to the men's side, Nick, speaking of two big dogs, uh, the Huskies in North Dakota, pretty much everything you could want out of a hockey weekend. Two really great hockey games at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. We, of course, will get to those in just a second. Quick brief look around uh, the NCAA by the way though Nick uh, just very quickly um, Atlantic Hockey by the way anybody's guessed on that one Sacred Heart RIT um, all kind of in the mix there RIT is probably maybe the favorite to potentially run away with things there as well currently um, Big Ten wise Michigan State is a good hockey team I think that's what we can say yep. the Gophers are not the powerhouse in the Big Ten right now kind of up and down for them recently uh, Wisconsin still staying pat I think they've Kind of come back to earth a little bit, but, you know, they're still a team that, uh, you know, has a lot of games in hand and could make things interesting. It's been a good year for Badgers Nation. Uh, CCHA, yeah, no idea. Bemidji State and Mankato are both decent. Uh, Lake Superior is still in the mix, although they've played the most games. And uh, it's a, just a shame that St. Thomas can't be a part of the process. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, exactly. Uh, Quinnipiac. In the ECAC, yeah, they're good. Yeah, um, they're good. Hockey East, uh, it's still maybe anyone's guess here. BU at 34 points, BC at 28. Maine still in there as well. I think that's kind of where your top three really, really falters out. I thought UMass might be a little bit better than we anticipated. Curious to see how good Hockey East really is in about a month and a half to see how many can make the big dance. Um, and then, of course, independent-wise, uh, 
really you've started to see things kind of level out. Arizona State has the best record of all independents uh, at 17-6-5 on the season. But other than that, it hasn't been exactly the strongest of showings, so to speak, Mm -hmm. for uh, the independents, maybe similar to what we've seen in years past, which is a good thing to say in in the sense of, you know, how good uh, the independents have been. But with that being said, Nick, uh, NCHC-wise, other teams around the conference, Minnesota Duluth playing Western Michigan, they traded blows. Uh, the Bulldogs, to Max Beach's credit, 6-3 on that first night, they get the victory, uh, and then they falter 5-2 in the second one. I think those are two teams that really, again, maybe anybody's guess as to how some of those games are going to go. Western Michigan has been in some really interesting contests with not a lot of consistency, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um Denver sweeping Omaha 6-3 and 6-2. Don't know if I was surprised by that, but I thought Omaha might have a little bit more pushback. And then CC 2-1 and 4-2 against the Miami Redhawks on home ice to get the job done in that sense. But uh, um, Nick, I guess if we kind of move over and take a look at the standings here, uh, the Huskies, we'll get to them in a second, remain by proxy tied in first place. I actually, um, the... The official tiebreaker, uh, as far as seedings, is actually goals four because it's winning percentage and then seeding. So I believe, even though St. Cloud has less regulation losses, it's regulation wins, then conference yep. winning percentage, then conference goals four. So this is actually correct. We're and North- then head to head. Yeah, correct. Yep. So North Dakota does have the tiebreaker. Both teams at 26 points. Denver uh, at 23. They're starting to kind of heat up as maybe we thought they were going to do in the first half of the season. Western at 20. How about CC at 19 points and number yep. five, Nick? There they come. Um, yeah, this Tigers team. Again, it took them a while to heat up, but uh, I don't know what's going on in the state of Colorado, but things are starting to work suddenly for both of those clubs. Uh, and then Duluth uh, in that sixth place spot at 15. Omaha, bit of a tough weekend for them. They sit in seven at 11 points. They just kind of spin their tires a little bit, unfortunately, uh, in the last weekend. And then Miami, four points. We talked about their victory last week, Nick. So, um, yeah, I mean, anything that you kind of you kind of pull out of out of those scores non-St. Cloud-wise? Not really. Uh, more so, if anything, that, hey, we said it at the holiday break. Um, St. Cloud had a great first half, but they hadn't faced North Dakota. They hadn't faced Denver. This was going to tighten up, and we're seeing exactly that, right? So um, it's going to be an interesting ride to the finish. Um, again, this is where St. Cloud kind of stumbled a little bit last year. Again, most of that was due to the injury to Dylan Anhorn. Um, healthy, yes. Uh Kind of interesting. I think I, yeah, Isaac Posh was out this weekend with an injury. Yeah. Um, to keep our eyes on that, plus some uh, some other maybe some lineup looks that we thought maybe would have been ironed out by now. But uh, Brett Larson continued to kind of shuffle things up Friday and Saturday um, as uh, he tries to find the right formula against these top teams. But at the end of the day, this is going to be a very tight, almost now top five is what it looks mm-hmm. like here. You know what? Let's enter CC into the conversation. Good for them. Again, that program been on the rise. We've been documenting that over the past couple of years. Um, so um, it ain't over, right? It's just getting started at this point. 
Yeah, would agree. Uh, North Dakota got started on Friday night at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center, just under 4,600 in attendance for this one. Uh, St. Cloud actually out shooting North Dakota 37-21. This was a massive talking point in this one. They were outshot 9-5 in the first credit. North Dakota, we talked about starts have to be imperative, though. Two goals on nine yep. shots in the first for North Dakota to have a 2-1, or excuse me, 2 nothing lead entering the middle frame. 15-5 and 17-7 in periods two and three, respectively, for St. Cloud who went one for two on the power play, gave up two for three on the man advantage the other way. Faceoffs, about dead even. The Huskies, 27 wins, 24 losses. I think that's about par for the course against a good team like North Dakota. But, I mean, credit this fighting Hawks team, or as I... Um, as Colin Rotowski would say, uh, the green chickens, <laughs> which yeah. I which I always crack up at. But Jackson Blake, uh, just before the seven-minute mark of period number one, got the Fighting Hawks on the board. A coin now to Rossborough. That's stolen away. And here comes McLaughlin out of the penalty box, slides it ahead to Blake, and he scores! Jackson Blake picks the top corner of Dominic Bassey, and it's one nothing UND. Following his old man's footsteps here, scoring. You see right there, I believe, that little misstep by McLaughlin is what throws off the defender. He thinks he's going to lose control of the puck there. So Reiners does that. It's just... It's, it. Of course, highlights a little bit lengthier for the men's side here. A lot of goals to get to, but um, that's going to be a theme, I feel like, Nick. Transitional play, right? And the Huskies... Yeah. That's kind of what burned them. Both teams, in in some senses, very wide open ice sheet. I mean, to be expected on an Olympic sheet a little bit. Um, so really good look from North Dakota, I thought, on that first one. A bit of a touchy zone entry. Didn't know if it was quite going to be offside or not, but good uh, skate to stick and a really nice release. Yeah, and it's it's one where St. Cloud has to sort that out, too, especially when it's coming across the red line. Again, the, the, the puck in the skates can screw up that timing a little bit, too, right? Because of the defenseman, you want to come up, you want to disrupt if you can. I think the winger that was trailing also kind of maybe, you know, put the brakes on slightly, but then Ford regathers control fits that little pass in between both the defender and the trailing forward. And then now it's essentially a wide open lane to Dominic Bassi, who on top of the crease. So he wasn't, you know, he was aggressive, but again, it's a good shot, beats him over the glove shoulder and North Dakota strikes first. Yeah, and they did it again. This one, not a great camera angle, but Garrett Pike, if you saw it live, an absolute blast. A cannon from the point with less than a minute remaining in the first, made it 2 nothing. Bird, but he follows up and puts that poke check back into the corner, out of the way, out of harm's way. And here we have North Dakota, Mr. Pike. Yeah, off the faceoff, North Dakota. Got it back to Garrett Pike, and he unleashed a bomb that went high over the shoulder on the stick side of Bassey. And it's now 2-0 North Dakota with just 6.6 seconds left in the period. Just talked about... And I'm not sure if Dominic Bassey was screened by Adam Ingram in front or if it was just one of those that was hard to pick up, but less than 10 seconds... Nick, what's the important piece about that play, though, that uh, starts everything off? And uh, just like that, the Huskies are down, too. Right. You know, it's it's something that, you know, there's so much that we focus on. And I should say the casual fans is who wins the faceoff, right? But here, it's now, well, there's two things, right? You have two responsibilities, no matter what position you play. What happens if you win it? And more happens when you lose it, right? You all have a responsibility there. It's a set face-off play, right? And it's yep. not anything that is a secret out of the books, right? It's a win draw back. It's a quick pitch over. And then it's a one tie-in blast. That winger has got that responsibility. The defenseman has got to get out there quick. You have to be able to go out there and challenge that because that's the whole idea, right? It's trying to prevent that easy 
shot toward towards the net. Unfortunately, Eric Pike again, an absolute bomb of a shot. Hard to say if it was screened again, not the best camera angle from our effect, but either way, it's a shot that beats the goaltender. Huskies down 2 nothing. Yeah, when less than 10 seconds, you got to win a defensive zone draw. You have to keep it away from the middle of the ice. That didn't happen. Right. I could have been the difference maker in this one. Although St. Cloud, to their credit, came out hot 24 seconds into the second. Mason Salquist, his second of the season from Kyler Kupka. Oh, Huskies coming across the line. Kupka drives it up and scores! Two as you guys are going to have. Wow, you, you freeze Ludwig Person like that on a beautiful save. Like a Kupka looks like he's going to make a quick little drop pass. And you can see everybody assumes he's just going to make the quick little five-footer here. So he gets that poke checked away, and he looks like he's just going to drop it there. So that little drop to Jack Peart, that fake drop to Jack Peart, sinks Pike back. How do you even think to make a pass like that? Uh, and and Nasty. it was kind of men- <laughs> it was a mention too. Is everyone thought he was going to grip it and rip it? It is not often, ladies and gentlemen, that you see Ludwig Pearson swimming in his crease right. like that. This was the best goal of the weekend by far. I'm just going to put that out there right now. That I don't know how you have a sixth sense to make that play. It was on the tape, spinorama pass. Uh, yeah, not much more I have to add on that one. No. And again, kind of a broken player, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as Cooper was trying to get actually, I believe that was Anna Ingram that was driving in the middle lane there. Um, it's deflected. He regathers it again. Nice, cool, calm, collect. And then in one motion, like I said, take the tape pass. And as you mentioned, Pearson, who doesn't often misread a play, completely bit the, fla- uh, the fact that he was going to make that shot. Mm-hmm. And Solquest, one timer. And again, North Dakota, all three of those guys puck watching when that play was broken up so bit of a help there too yeah 14 minute mark though they would get one back make it 3-1 would the fighting hawks on the power play jackson blake got the fighting hawks back to a two-goal lead blake back to berg he'll walk in drop pass over to blake shot the score and he has got that top corner measured his second of the night, and it's now three. Now you've got Berg on this side who's got a hot stick. He's got eight goals in his last ten games. Unfortunately, they had two players commit to him with leaves Blake alone over there. And that was kind of a theme as well all weekend, Nick. A good shot, of course, on the power play, but short side, glove high. A lot of really good shots to beat two really good goaltenders uh, this weekend. Uh, this was pretty good. I want to talk about goaltenders. I want to get your breakdown of that play, Nick. But since we mentioned, or I mentioned goaltenders, uh, Ludwig Pearson was on another level this weekend. I know we've talked about him yeah. in a Fighting Hawk sweater. Check out this save, by the way, uh, in this hockey game. Uh, he had multiple over the weekend, but this one I thought was his best. Oh, that shot ripped over the top of the net as we've stepped up. Now 2-1-1 on one the other way. Akabi with Mietnin. Over to Mietnin. And Pearson, another unbelievable save. Robbing Werner Mietnin. Great job here. Gets Pike to bite on it. Pulls that thing all the way across right there. Nice read by Ludwig Pearson. Just don't like him. That <laughs> And I hate to break it to you, there was about six more of those <laughs> for yeah. the Fighting Hawks this weekend. That was kind of what the Huskies ran into. I, they ran into a very good goaltender and a very good North Dakota team uh, who also struck on that last power play with a pretty good seeing eye shot as well. Yeah, I mean, like we said, when we heard the 
the news that Pearson was in the transfer portal. This was one team that we did not, as I think every other NCHC team would attest, um, that they did not want him to end up on, right? Because it seemed like, especially last year, right? Uh, North Dakota had a good team, right? Uh, defensively, yeah, maybe not the best, but you kind of felt like the last couple of seasons, they were missing that goaltender that could steal you a hockey game. I don't want to say that he stole this game, but he certainly did not uh, help St. Cloud to keep even keel with the Fighting Hawks in this uh, weekend series. So, um, heck of a save. Again, you have to tip your cap. He's a heck of a goaltender and shows you why there. Yeah, and St. Cloud, a bit of a pushback for them, though. I mean, they weren't out of this fight despite being down 3-1. 422 into the third. Josh Lidke, Dylan Anhorn, a really nice setup for Zach Okambi's uh, fourth goal of the season. Way up on the play, coming out of the corner, Anhorn forced in behind, comes out, back to the point, Litke, a drive Get in on this goal! I love it. Look at this kid. Again, Team Anhorn. Perfect pass to Ludke. Brings everybody around the corner with him. The guy circles the wagons on the net here. Brings the guy out. Draws the guy out. Draws a, draws a player out. Zach Okabe the entire time is standing in the slot just taking grenades for his team. Just Guys crashing the crease. Good things happen when you go to the net, Nick. And you know what? You know... We feel, it feel like it's a, a broken record, but that's how you beat a go goaltender, right? You get shots through from distance. There's traffic there. Sometimes, you know, you have to make the goaltender make what's called a positional save, right? Where maybe he's not tracking it all the way. He knows it's coming through, but he can't really pick it up. So he's merely just making himself as big as he can, right? It hits the left pad. And as you mentioned, Zach Okapi was there. was another forward that was crashing in on that strong side there. Uh, so Huskies with numbers to pick up the loose change, get inside position pot it in the back and that's how you beat a good goaltender and uh, St. Cloud did it on that play yeah unfortunately they just could not get back into the fight enough another power play goal four and a half minutes later just like that the Fighting Hawks uh, I believe this would end up being the game winner in this third period North Dakota one for two with the extra man and there's another one Cameron Berg picks the top corner and St. Cloud now down You see Coons, you've got you've got three men across, which is pretty good. Kupka's a little bit high, but since we're down a man, that's not necessarily a terrible thing. Uh, we've got Dominic Bassey there. He goes post to post really well, six foot six, so he can take advantage of his frame. Maybe a little bit deep in the deep in the net there, but all of these shots are just they're they're bar down. These guys are absolutely labeling. I mean, breakdown in coverage, flat drop pass, perfect play on special teams, perfect shot. Um, yeah, we talked about it. I mean, this was two good teams going at it, Nick, and I think that's a great example. Um, just very quickly before we get your thoughts on basically the wrap-up of this game, the Huskies did get a power play chance at the tail end of the game. Vieti Mietnin from Dylan Anhorn, Adam Ingram made it interesting, uh, made it a one-goal contest 4-3 at this point. Anhorn, Vietnin waiting. He's got it. Looks for an alley. Now takes a shot. There we go. There is point number 100. Oh, I love this. I like the fact that he held it there before they've been rushing that shot. And when they rush that shot, person's reactionary skills are so good that it gives him time. He just comes over and utilizes his raw athleticism and his technique to that. 
But this freeze right here gets everybody guessing. Beatty did the right thing. He tried so many times to just overpower everybody one time or heavy. And I mean, a good shot through traffic makes it interesting. And then an empty netter off of a block shot with uh, a minute and a half to play sealed the deal for the Huskies on that first night, Nick. Um, you know, it's a game where, unfortunately, uh, you know, despite out shooting your opponent heavily, 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 almost doubling up on shots, the Huskies get the loss. Um, but it all kind of came down to transitional play. You can talk a little bit about special teams, but again, a quick strike team on the rush, I think. North Dakota in years past necessarily hasn't enjoyed coming to the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. I think with their offensive mix this year, I think they had to feel pretty good about kind of what they encountered, um, you know, at least on that Friday night. Yeah, and in the transition play, like you talked about it, on that last uh, power play goal, um, Husky player falls down, right, Um, on the back check. um, And it allows, you know, it's and again, you know, you talk about, you know, the defensive positioning was there, but again, great zone entry out wide, kicks it all the way across rink wide, a good catch and release. Um, but you kind of figure, right, if that Husky player doesn't fall, does he get that stick in that lane to prevent that cross ice pass? Hard to say, but again, that's that transitional play that you talk about where North Dakota really thrived. They thrived it in years past when they've been, shall we say, at their most dangerous. Um, they have, as you mentioned, the offensive talent to do it. They have the defense to support also to push the play back north the other way in transition as well. Something I think they've also been missing. And then you put together a, a goaltender that can sometimes be a brick wall. This is a good hockey team, a big reason why they're third in the country. Yeah, definitely. Two two good hockey teams playing. Kind of showed it again in the second night. 35-27 were the shots for this one. The Huskies win in a shootout 4-3. Technically, it's a 3-3 tie, according to the pairwise. Shot 17-4 in the first for St. Cloud. So a much better start. They did get the opening goal of the contest. Pretty much dead even all the way through, except for 6-1 was the margin in overtime as the Fighting Hawks continue to press. The Huskies struggling a little bit in the extra session as far as generating some offense. Uh, St. Cloud 0-2 on the power play. North Dakota did not have an opportunity, so you like to see that. Pretty much dead even face-off wise as well, too. We're going to cruise through this one uh, and some of these goals. It was 1-1 after the first, but the Huskies were on the board first. Uh, Kyler Kupka scoring his ninth of the season from Josh Lidke, and then right off of the face-off, Eight seconds later, Jackson Blake would respond, and just like that, 1-1, our lone goals of period number one. And finally, it comes free, high in the slot. Lidke, shot, rebound, they score! and the Huskies take the lead for the first time all weekend. Holy smokes, what a pass by Josh Lidke. Just talked about him. What a step up right there. Jackson Koontz is in his back pocket, and he has the presence of mind to step in between him and that puck. And not only does he get it with his stick, he's got to skate there just in case it gets by him, and he sees a Kyler Koop that just drool. One of the rare times Ludwig Pearson is swimming. You feel pretty good about it as a Huskies fan, and then, yeah, right off the faceoff. It's mentioned his offensive prowess not four minutes ago, Jim, and there he comes up big. And Kupka really has been on fire, but here's Black, and he counters Jackson Blake. Posting in uh, what the accuracy. Unfortunately, you let off the gas for a half a second, and Blake gets him. That that is a that is a picture perfect shot. I don't care how big your goaltender, how nimble your goaltender is, you get a foot off of the ice, a foot and a half off of the ice inside the post. And Nick, for the young fans at home, Jack Peart, cardinal sin off of that faceoff win. What didn't he do? 
get the puck deep. Yeah, that's it. And you know, maybe a fluttering puck, and maybe fluttering just like my camera goes down um, as we record this <laughs> here on Sunday. I'm going to get that fixed here real quick. Uh, not sure how that happened, but um, speaking, you you had mentioned before the broadcast that your mic may be going down. I think my camera might be going down too, um, which actually might be a good thing for the listeners and the watchers on YouTube. Um, but you know, even with the puck rolling like that, if you feel that right, if you can feel that in your stick, right? Sometimes, you know, I think Jack meant to pull it back to his forehand. The puck cobbles. Um, the other thing I want to talk about, I mean, I'm not a goaltender expert, but I, I felt like Dominic Bassey didn't come out and challenge as much as I'd like him to there. I think he stood a little bit too deep in his net, especially one-on-one. I'd like to see him come out and challenge a little bit more. Um, you know, what that tells me is, obviously he respects Jackson Blake, um, but come out and take away the angle, right? You know, sometimes be on top of the crease isn't enough. And I think in that situation, I don't even think he was at the top of the crease. I think he was about three quarters of the way there. Um, I know maybe Jackson Blake, he's got silky myths. He can make moves. I get that. But at least cut down the shooting angle, make him come and take away that space, right? But yeah. either way, like you mentioned, whole play happens, you know, from Jack Peart, uh, fumbling puck doesn't help. But again, off the face off, simple well, play. Well, I mean, it's the idea of if you're Jack Peart, you're probably not going to beat four guys on your way into the zone, right? Just get the puck deep, do right. what you got to do. Off of that turnover, too, I think a goaltender is a little more hesitant with, with his defenseman trying to come back to try to recover if he does not shoot that puck and ends up trying to go around the net or something like that. But yeah, all in all, defensive breakdown, but it was the Huskies who never would actually relinquish a lead in this hockey game, Nick. The only goal of period number two uh, with three minutes left, Grant Deshaun's third of the season, Zach Okabe, and uh, the aforementioned. Dominic Bassey with an assist on this one as well. Gives it to him. Quick shot. Pad saved by Bassey. Huskies Ooh. spring a man. A shot. Oh. Grant a shot. Puts the Huskies. Here we get another look. Look at this breakout pass. An absolute laser beam right on Grant's tape. Grant goes to release that thing. The follow-through looks like it may be going high. Zach Okabe, look at that, just right on his tape. He goes to throw it. I think Pearson thought that that was going to go up top shelf. Maybe one Dominic Bassey wants to have back, but what about that pass, Nick? Beautiful stretch pass right on the money. Had to be perfect, and it was. Yeah, and, you know, you got to credit to Sean, right, for driving and, you know, trying to stretch the play a little bit. You know, if there's... If it's one thing we want to see more from the Huskies is some of those stretch plays. Now, granted, team to the NCAA, they'll they'll lock that stuff down, you know, force you to come up the ice, dump it, try to work to get the puck back in possession. But as you mentioned, perfect pass. And then I don't know if it was just me, Noah, but did it not feel like that on that release from Grant Sean? It actually sort of was that he didn't get the right release on it. Because if you looked at Ludwig Pearson, that that puck, he was setting up to go high short side yeah. and i feel like it kind of cut off the stick kind of goofy it stayed more on the ice because as you mentioned pearson great goaltender but he was kind of caught in between looked kind of surprised where that puck actually ended up going in towards um again found the more of on the uh along the ice there so at the end of the day hey again great execution again you gave yourself a chance and uh, sean just grips it and rip it sometimes again it's not about perfect placement it's just about surprising the goaltender you take a break anyway you get it yeah that one ends up i think going five hole from what i could tell you want to talk about yeah. breaks where you can get it by the way third period i thought the huskies maybe deserved an extra point in this one for as much as they excuse me gave up on friday night this third period was the period of the bad bounce for the huskies both goals for und kind of fluky ones they got it started two minutes into the third period 
if I can find it here. Hold on. Here we are. Now Perron cycles it. Centering. Oh, no. Deflects oh, and it goes no. in the Huskies net. Instead, he deflects it into his own net for an own goal. A nice high cycle by North Dakota here. Causes that mix-up. And that's exactly why you do the cycle, to mix it up. You have two players. You see both Gross and Ewart. And Ewart has had a, just a perfect game up until this point. He even got a stick on that thing. Bassey recognized that that puck was going to make it across the crease. And I believe his intent was to step out. I mean, what do you do on that one? I think Dominic Bassey is getting ready to come out, try to cut that play off on special teams. It's or not on special teams, excuse me, just on that zone entry. I mean, what do you do? <laughs> you do I mean, you do everything right there, right? Um, St. Cloud, the defenseman, got a stick on that cross-ice pass. It was a similar setup to where, again, uh, North Dakota scored on them on Friday, right? That very you know rink-wide pass. Pass, he looked like he was reading it, was making that strong push across. It gets deflected, and unfortunately, it had a little English, too, right, where yeah. it goes in the back. That is literally a case, and there's not many, Noah, where you do everything right in the play, and it still beats you. I yeah. mean, there's just really not much more you can do. Yeah, because the netminder probably reads that cross-seam pass perfectly if it does get made. But nonetheless, uh, how about this? Uh, speaking of plays getting made, 13th goal of the season for Vietti Mietnin, assist for his brother and Zach Okabe, a crowd uh, of just under 5,600, a very good attendance this weekend on their feet as the Huskies regain the lead back. Mietnin across the line, drops it, Vietti Vinny, Vidi, Vidi, look at this, crosses up the D, exactly what he wanted to do, Werner steps in, crosses up the D, forces them to go down below the top of the circle, giving Vidi that extra 10 to 12 feet he needed to load up and place that thing perfectly on the low glove. Yeah, I mean, what a shot, posting in, glove side, do we expect anything less at this point? <laughs> no, and you know, right down Broadway too, right? Um and I loved if he, if he really watched Werner Mietten there on that entry, he took a little quick look here to his left. He saw Vidi driving right down. Um, I wonder if they practiced that in Finland a few times, right, between <laughs> each other. I imagine they did. But again, that awareness, right, is where's the secondary flow? We talked about it, right, the four check and layers. Uh, Werner again gains the line. He's cutting across the middle. A little peek to his left. Vidi driving right down the middle. Just a little drop pass. And then, again, that quick release where it was a, maybe a little bit of a screen there, too. But he beats Pearson cleanly on the glove hand side. Again, something you don't normally see from that goaltender. But the way Huskies retake the lead on that nice executed play. Yeah, well, you want to talk about the poor bounces, as we mentioned, just after the 13-minute mark. Uh, yeah, it, they don't get any kookier than this, so to speak, uh, if you're a St. Cloud fan watching the weird caroms in your own building here. Was blocked. Berg with it, circling, comes to the front of the net. Passing oh down, the my. rebound goes over the top of the net and lands right in the crease. And it's still loose at the side of the net. Mietman pushed it out of there. Yeah, knocked the and net then it goes What in. is going on, people? And then it goes in and we're tied again at three. There's not, there's not enough time for this replay. Berg, nice job coming out of the corner. Full puck possession, really nifty move. Kick save. Werner Mietnin saves that one off of Perron. And then it looks like everybody was just kind of fishing for that puck. Clearly they have it. Good attempt by Berg to bat that one in. Redirect it. Ah, he finally gets it off. I mean, what? We've got off the defender, off the goaltender, off the glass, back over the net. 
chaos in front, two jam plays, wrap around, bank it off the defender standing on the near side and in the back of the net. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean... You know, if, if, and if you're the Huskies team, I'd imagine if you're Bassey, you know, where the puck was jammed or on that near side while he was prone, I bet he probably had a chance maybe to try to freeze it there. Maybe that's about the only thing that you could say, well, what could he have done more, right? I mean, everything else, St. Claude collapsed around the net. Yeah. You know, again, just a bounce, right? And we talk about this a lot, right? Sometimes you just get the puck to the blue paint. You just never know what type of bounces you can happen. And again, you know, in that situation for the North Dakota player that got it there, behind the cage, hey, they're still scrambling. You know, you just never know. And you get a lucky bounce. And at the end of it, if Bassey makes a save, hey, at least you tried. So, yeah, again, just unfortunate bounce. But again, just the game of chances there. And North Dakota took a chance and tied the game. And, uh, you know, credit St. Cloud. They stuck with it. They got the extra point in the shootout. Vieti Mietnin opened the scoring in the shootout, but it was Adam Ingram, his game winner in the shootout, so to speak, and a good save to seal the deal for the Huskies, who did probably earn the extra point that was well-deserved on the second night. Adam Ingram for St. Cloud State. Speaking of reach, Ingram's got a big one. Instead, he whistles at home, and now St. Cloud has a one. North Dakota. 50 player, man. Jaden Perron to extend the shootout. Oh, no. Oh, my and goodness. It is denied. No. And St. Cloud State gets the extra point. And I didn't know if they would have even counted that second shot anyway for North Dakota. But nonetheless, what it means is the Huskies get the job done. Uh, and they stand pat against a really good opponent, if you want to be fair about it. St. Cloud didn't really move. In fact, technically, they actually moved one point in the opposite direction based on other people's performances. They're now technically tied for 13th at 14 in the pairwise right now on the men's side of things. Uh, and a team that... Uh, Right now, Kyler Kupka and Dylan Anhorn still continue to pace on points, uh, but getting more well-rounded scoring, I would say, for the Huskies, who, uh, Nick, let's be real, you know, they've got a test coming up. Omaha, who had an interesting weekend, this could be a chance to pounce on a Mavs team that historically has given you fits uh, in either building uh, coming up this weekend, then CC Miami Western in February before Denver and Duluth to round out the schedule. But Nick, all in all, a weekend where if you were a hockey fan, you probably got everything you were looking for and more in this North Dakota St. Cloud matchup. These two teams are going to go toe to toe till the end. Don't throw Denver out of the mix as well, too. Um, no. As you mentioned, it might be a five horse race. What do you take out of this weekend as you prepare for Omaha? Um, I'm trying to find the right words because I'm mixed, right? And you mentioned it just before this, the pairwise, right? It would have been so much better for the Huskies if they were to get Saturday's win in regulation. Yeah. Uh, especially against North Dakota, again, the third best team in the country. Um, you're in the you're in the bubble zone right now. If you're St. Cloud, you're on the 14th. That's not an area you want to stay in. Um, again, you know we. Just as we, we talked about with the women's side, those two games that they let drop these last couple of weekends. I shouldn't say let drop, but they dropped them. Um, St. Cloud's going to go back to the non-conference schedule at the beginning of the year. And that's going to be something they're going to circle. So good to see that they battled, right? Yeah, North Dakota gets Friday. Um, you do get technically the tie on Saturday. You stay at Pat with the Fighting Hawks. But 
at the end of it also, you know, when you're out shooting a team by that much and you're not getting the puck in the back of it as often as you'd like. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're definitely looking for more, right? I, I think there's definitely some, some curious, shall we say eyebrows that are raised around the Huskies land right now. Um, and like you said, you know, opportunity against Omaha that has not performed the level that we expected them this year. Yeah. But I also think that their record's deceiving. I really, really do. They've been in most of their hockey games. Again, they play a very unique style of hockey where they have a little bit of a mix of skill and brawn. Um, and as you mentioned, historically, they have not been kind to the Huskies. They yeah. have not. So what I take from this is it's going to be another hard-fought battle. But the importance of getting away with wins in this weekend is even greater. I, I've, I saw some social media posts about how, you know, fans are, again, you know, trying to jump off the proverbial cliff because they can't beat Denver. They can't beat North Dakota. Um, too well, good, first of all, like, two good hockey teams first. Yeah, right. You know, two good hockey teams. Number one. Uh, it, number two, you do get a shootout loss. Yeah, I get it. It doesn't feel the same as a regulation win, but it's not like you were blown out of your own building, right? Um, they were close hockey games. Um, but now the conversation is going to change, right? Omaha is a team that, again, on paper, you should take care of. And now with them being at 14 in the pairwise, I think the urgency, I think the desperation now is going to have to be there too. Um, so it's going to be interesting hockey as we move forward here. Um, so I think if you want to boil it down to warrants, it's tense right now. Right. I think that I think there is some intensity that's building within that locker room. Now, granted, take the confidence with the shootout win, run with it. But you're going to have to execute on both nights coming up against Omaha. If you drop against Omaha one game, you may be on the outside looking in. We're at that point right now. Yeah, don't forget Omaha, the only team to solve the Huskies in the first half of the season, by the way, too, in yep. conference play. So, I mean, granted, Correct. it was in an extra session, but, you know, at the same time, it, it, again, two very good opponents, Denver and North Dakota, coming out of the gate. It wasn't going to be easy. Um, you know, I think you would have liked, like you said, at least one of those wins in regulation either weekend, but nonetheless, Friday night starts have to be a little bit better. Uh, this Omaha team has given groups fits before, so you don't want to be the team that sparks that comeback up from seventh uh in the rankings in the nchc conference standings but uh, at the same time i think there were a lot of things you had to like from a st cloud perspective it was wide open it was toe-to-toe -to -toe. there's no doubt that them in north dakota <laughs> it's gonna be a good matchup all the way down to the end it's a shame we only get to see it one weekend for the regular season this year because two really good hockey teams um you know good thing we didn't pick north dakota to finish in a in a you know, non-home ice spot in, in our preseason predictor, right? Um, <laughs> but at, at the same time, I, you know, I, I think St. Cloud fans, we've talked about this before, but I think even the team too, take a deep breath. I, uh, you know, Dominic Bassey, you know, unfortunate bounces in a couple of those games as well. Hopefully Isaac Posh gets healthy. Uh, Ludwig Pearson on the other side, a very good goaltender made about six or seven great A's throughout the weekend that could have really changed things. That's what good goaltenders do. Um, yep. I think if you're the Huskies, just take a deep breath. It was two really good hockey games left a bit to be, to be desired shot based to scoring wise in the first night. Second night, I think the Huskies got the extra point that they deserved, at least in the NCHC uh, pair wise, is another story. Um, 
but I still think two good opponents. I think next weekend's going to give us an indicator of have they learned something? Have they gotten better over the month of January heading into February? We'll have to see if they can take care of business. So um, it, it'll be some good hockey, and I'm excited. We're here for it as always. For Nick Maxson, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the den for episode 196. Timer coming, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perrix! No, Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies alongside. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it! He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL! Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.